loyal, brave, true, devotion to family, and gender roles, deceit, and the energy of life. Are you just watching episode 111, Mulan 2020? Welcome to the podcast that shares critical thinking for the entertained Christian. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And we decided to do a movie that has been on a lot of a lot of people have been talking about it really since it was supposed to come out in March. And it didn't make it to the theaters and frankly we didn't either. So <laughs> <laughs> And then it didn't make it to the theaters and then it didn't make it to the theaters <laughs> and we didn't either. Which has been the story for a lot of movies. <laughs> yes. So Mulan, the remake of the... When did the animated one come out? I didn't even look that up. 98. 98. Yeah. 1998. So it's been 20 years. A little over 20 years. See, that that classic area of Disney movies for me is measured by when my children yeah. were born. <laughs> <laughs> Little Mermaid came out when my oldest was born. <laughs> and, you know, it goes from there. Yeah. Maybe that's what my problem is, is that I haven't had kids, so... Don't rush. <laughs> really. Well, Trust me. The animated movies have just kind of lost their flair for me, and they have to be pretty exceptional before I even really like them anymore. And I put, like, you know, yeah. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. I really delayed watching it because I have gotten to the point where I just, I really don't care, you know, about animated movies. And then I watched that one, and I really liked it. So I guess maybe it's a certain type of animation that I don't like anymore. Yeah, animated movies have a uh, a thinner area where they can be good if they go over that on either mm -hmm. side. You know, I'm I'm less forgiving of animated movies. I think is probably the way the yeah. way I would put it. Well, so I've only seen the animated Mulan, the 1998 version, once. And it was probably soon Ooh. after it came out. So it's probably been 20 years since I've seen it. And so I kind of went into this movie with fresh eyes. And I think that that might be why I have liked this movie, because based on some of the kind of the reactions that I've been seeing to it, everybody says it's not the animated movie. So everybody going into it is making mm. that comparison. <laughs> and so it's kind of coloring their reaction to this movie because it's not the animated movie. Yeah. I was not colored by the animated movie because like I just said, it's been 20 something years since I've seen that one. <laughs> I can't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, let alone 20 yeah. years ago. I only remember that I've seen it. I just don't remember when, and I'm quite positive it would have been soon after it came out because I don't think I would have had access to it at any other time. I, it's not like mm -hmm. one I have on DVD or an, I don't have kids. So I've, you know, not been exposed to it. So I'm pretty sure it was probably yeah. soon after it came out that I saw it. I've only seen it about two billion <laughs> times. At least, at least it wasn't Frozen. Yeah. Well, you Just know, the saying. interesting thing about Frozen is I think I knew half the songs before I ever saw the movie. Just because they became so pop culture, <laughs> exactly. as everybody was referring to them all the time. Mulan 2020 is not a, an animated musical. It's actually a live action. And the music is done by Harry Gregson Williams. And I thought it was actually a quite a good score. Though, 
I was a little annoyed with the fact that the credits was all full of songs instead of more of the score, because I usually like to sit through credits listening to <laughs> the score, not not songs sung by, well, let's just put it this way. The, Pop artists. Yeah, let's just put it this way. I like the Chinese version better. <laughs> yeah, Disney likes to do that. Yeah. It, it seems like they take their current Disney stars and have them record versions of songs that are in the movie mm -hmm. that's and i think they've been doing that all along i want to say they did that with the uh with the animated ones too what wasn't uh aladdin the original aladdin what was the uh, out of this world not out of this world uh part of your world uh, i don't remember that was another movie i didn't watch that often <laughs> they had a, a pop duo recording it at mm -hmm. the in for the credits right and I never like – I always like the one in the movie because it ties to what I'm watching. Mm -hmm. I don't like it, the remakes with the exception of Elton John songs. Yeah. Now, I don't know whether you listened to the whole credits, but after the pop culture version, they actually had a Chinese artist sing it in Mandarin. So, oh, no, I didn't. Yeah. That, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was like they did it twice, once in English and once in Mandarin. And I liked the voice nice. of the Mandarin singer much better. She sounded – less poppy i guess i don't know <laughs> she just had a cleaner voice instead of trying to to be some kind of a pop star she was just had a really clean pure voice and i i really appreciated that version much better but other than that not a lot to say about the score i mean it obviously had asian flair oh. flair to it but the mandarin one was was actually sung by the star oh so she could sing liu ife okay or Ife Liu, depending upon <laughs> whether you put written. her last name first, yeah. and like they do in Asian culture. Yeah. So the score is Western. It's a Western score, but there's Asian flair to it, and I I somewhat understand the reason why they do that because most the what most Western ears find Asian music very discordant. So in order to mm -hmm. make it pleasing for a Western audience, they would need to Westernize the music. Mm. But I'll play. I do wonder if. If it had a different score in, in China yeah. like for the Chinese release. They probably did. They probably did some different music in there. Unless the Asian culture is getting more used to Western music, which could be the case as well. <laughs> well, let me play a little bit of it here so the audience can hear. They haven't seen the movie. So that's the music, and I guess, as I've already said, I'm really not that fond of animated movies, but I really like this movie. I identified with the character. I thought that some of the, you know, the, the storyline about her trying to masquerade herself as a man, I thought it came off fairly realistically, that some of the things that you would have to do as a woman in order to somehow manage to... <laughs> keep your your gender mm -hmm. anonymous and but it was those very things i think that really bumped this movie up past where a ch child would be able to sit through and understand it so one of the things i've noticed about all of these remakes as live actions is that the animated movie was definitely geared for children 
where the live action movie oh, yeah. is definitely geared for an older audience. Not maybe not necessarily an adult audience, but an older audience. And this movie is definitely, you know, leaves behind the childhood kind of. Yeah. You know, it's I I think we talked about it back when we did Beauty and the Beast, but it seems like Disney is banking on at least a certain amount amount of uh nostalgia views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those of us who when they do when they do these remakes mm-hmm. saw them as children, and now that we're adults, we want to go see the the remake of yeah. the live action. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and my final you know initial reaction to this movie is that I am a big fan of the genre that produced Hero and Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, mm-hmm. and this movie, while not on the same caliber of those movies definitely gave them nods. And so they had that same kind of legend kind of feel to them, like Asian legend kind of feel. And with the, you know, the kind of blown out of proportion skills that the characters have where they're almost superhuman in their ability to move. I think I had read somewhere or it was in a discussion or something that like the the characters that we see in the movie Hero and in the movie Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, that they're actually Asian folklore to the level of what like kind of like our superhero genre. So it kind of makes sense that they exhibit superhuman abilities. Yeah, it's uh, like Monkey King is is from Asian mythology and, Mm -hmm. and all of that. Yeah. It's been, I've never actually seen Hero. I keep meaning to watch that. Oh, one. that's a great movie. I love Hero. I actually like it better than Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. It's Really? Yeah. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is probably in my top five. Yeah. Oh, if you like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, you'll love Hero. So it's huh. it's a really I'll good movie. check it out. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've seen it. I need to go watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to see which streaming service it's hiding out on. <laughs> my take of this was a bit more like you know, the common take on it, because I had young kids at the time of the original release. I have seen the animated version of Mulan far more times than I care to count, both in total and in incomplete segments. Mm-hmm. We have also listened to the animated Mulan soundtrack <laughs> <laughs> to the point where I dreamt it. I'm sure I did. I enjoyed the animated version. That said, of all the remakes that I've seen, and I've only seen about half of them now, but of all the live action remakes that Disney has done, this one is actually the first one where I don't feel that they actually remade the animated film. Mm-hmm. Now, was that scene at the beginning with the chicken? Was that in the? It seems like that seemed like no. it was out of the the animated movie, but maybe it wasn't. No. Really? Hmm. Uh, as a matter of fact. I don't believe there were any scene for scene or shot for shot matches between the animated and, and the live action. And there definitely were in, in Aladdin mm-hmm. and in Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. I haven't seen Dumbo or Lion King, so I can't speak to those. Lion King, I think, is kind of a. A misrepresentation because they say it's a live action, but it's really just a better animated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's a realistic animation. Yeah, realistic animation. <laughs> same with, well, it's, it, Dumbo's the same way. Yeah. You know, but at least that had live actors in it. Yeah. And it actually, it's got, not Colin Firth, 
I can't remember the guy. He plays the one-armed guy in Dumbo. It's a, he's an actor I enjoy. Anyway. I have watched um, Dumbo. So, it's, it's a fun movie, but I can't compare it to the animated one because I've actually never seen the animated Dumbo. Oh, no. <laughs> Except now we have no excuse for not having seen the originals because they're all on Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I have gone back and watched a few of the original animated movies that I don't remember ever seeing before. So, But Dumbo, I don't think I've, so, I have watched that one yet. With with the live action remake of Mulan, if you take out, if you remove all of the magic, if you remove the witch and the perversion of the idea of chi, then you have what is essentially the story of Mulan as it was told as early as fifth century AD. So this live action remake is actually much closer to original the story. earliest recording because the the original story was first told in a, a play written you know for Chinese theater back in uh, mm-hmm. fourth fifth or sixth century China. So really, that's the only common factor between the animated part and the remake is that they both have the same source material. But I don't feel like they didn't, as opposed to the other remakes that we watched, they didn't try to match the emotion or the theme. Well, some theme, but they didn't try to match the presentation at all. So I really didn't feel like this was live action remake. I felt like it was a reboot. It was a a movie with the same name. Yeah, yeah. A new a new live action Based movie. Based on the same legend. <laughs> yeah. A new live action movie with the same name as an animated classic <laughs> with the same source material. This version, I really enjoy this type of Asian theater, the Chinese theater. Mm-hmm. Personally, I'm a Jackie Chan fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, me too. I love Jackie Chan. And this didn't really have any of that Jackie Chan. It had the martial arts in it, obviously, but it didn't have any of the Jackie Chan humor in it. As a matter of fact, this movie didn't have any significant humor in it. To my mind. Yeah, well, they tried to introduce it with some of the soldiers in the army, but it wasn't strong enough to to be truly funny. Yeah, it fell short in my mind. I didn't appreciate the mystical, the the entire mystical element, both the addition of the witch, which was a character I didn't mind, but everything from them making Chi a mystical life force, which we'll talk about later, Mm -hmm. through... The existence of this witch advising the bad guy, Bori Khan, yeah, yeah, or working with Bori Khan. I did not appreciate that entire thing. I thought it was superfluous. I thought they could have made just as good a movie without any of that. I didn't mind the the witch per se because I think she made a nice parallel character to Mulan. Mm. So yeah, that that's pretty much her only redeeming factor in yeah. my mind. She provided a parallel, you know, a flip side of the coin to Mulan's character. But I did appreciate how they really worked these virtues, you know, into the fabric of the movie, particularly how about halfway through the movie. And I don't want to give too much away in case people haven't watched it. Mulan decides that she can't continue living a lie. It really ate away at her, and I thought the actress did a good job at at portraying that inner turmoil. I did, being somebody who has trained some in martial arts, I I did about four years 
I was frustrated with the way that they co-opted Chi, which is a very, and I use this term loosely, real philosophy of martial arts. They co-opted it into a Star Wars-like force or magical power that granted people abilities beyond reason, including up to and including transforming into a bird <laughs> and back or a it's not a swarm. What's a, a group of bats called? <laughs> a flock. Anyway, is it a flock? I don't know. Maybe somebody on the website will know. <laughs> I know that different types of birds have different words. So like there's a murmur of sparrows, a mm -hmm. murder of crows, I believe is what a a group yeah, of crows. That's is one called. of my favorites. Yeah. A cauldron, a cauldron of bats. <laughs> they took it and made it magical instead of philosophical in order to, I guess, provide an underpinning to this plot line of misogyny. And really, I think it's misogyny. I don't think it's a feminist. And <laughs> I'm not a woman. I'll defer to you on this one. But I don't feel like this was a feminist story as much as it was an equality story. Yeah, and we're going to get into that um, in a little bit. I was sort of thinking it more of a, a pre-telling of Annie Oakley. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, I can do anything better than uh, – I can do anything better than you can. One of my favorite musicals. <laughs> Annie, get your gun. But uh, that's that's pretty much my take. I, I enjoyed it, and I would watch it again. Mm -hmm. But I think that my viewing experience would have been better if I had not seen and had no experience with the original, the 1998 animated feature. Yeah, and I, I really feel like that's, you know, what's driving most of the reactions on this, because like Warren Meyer's one of our listeners. If you join our community and Facebook at areyoujustwatching.com slash community, you too can get pre-warning when we are getting ready to record on a movie <laughs> and give your take before we record. Warren Meyer posted that his short review it wasn't bad, but it was a lousy remake, in quotes. And other live-action remakes have been practically scene for scene. This lost the songs, the wisecracking dragon, the charm of the animated original. It may be more true to the Chinese legend or myth, but it wasn't especially true to the earlier Disney work, which is basically what you just said. Warren is a very smart man. <laughs> I, like I said, have not seen the, the <laughs> an animated one in forever, so I was able to really enjoy this movie without any preconceived ideals of what it should yeah. be. And quite frankly, I'm happy it was not a musical. I don't think music fits in that kind of story, so I'm quite happy with the way they did it. Now, if you are going to continue listening, we are going to start talking about themes, which means that we will most likely destroy this movie. So if you haven't seen it yet... <laughs> And I actually mean this movie and not the animated one, because obviously this movie is not the animated one. Yeah. <laughs> you, you may want to stop, subscribe to your free 30 days on Disney Plus and, and watch it and, and then come back and listen to the rest of our discussion. Mm -hmm. All right. Now that everybody else has left, I would assume we have maybe a handful but they're, left. But wait, wait, wait. What? They're back. They're back. See? That's right. They They're, came back. Yep. <laughs> okay. They've gone and watched the movie. Now they've come back to finish the podcast. <laughs> Terrific. Yay. Okay. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Yes. Well, 
obviously the biggest thing that we have to talk about in this movie are the gender roles because that's oh, yeah. really the biggest it's the, theme the elephant in the movie <laughs> yeah or i guess since this is well china has elephants i was gonna say it could be the dragon in the room but does china actually have elephants well india does i know there are asian elephants but it's i thought they were all su- more southern or or, or- well, I guess it depends on how much of China we take into account. It's a very point. big country. <laughs> yeah, China's a rather large, <laughs> rather large area. Yes. So the gender roles, you start out really quickly in this version of Mulan, where they're really pushing home the fact that she is a girl who, right from the beginning narration, has a blessing of the chi that is uncharacteristic of girls is something that boys usually have. And in fact, um, the the beginning narration says, if you had a daughter, her chi, the boundless energy of life itself speaking through her every motion, could you tell her that only a son may wield chi? That a daughter would risk shame, dishonor, or exile? Ancestors, I could not. And this is her father doing their narration at the beginning. And we find out in fact, just a little ways longer into the movie, as it shows a grown up, more grown up Mulan who is being uh, set before the matchmaker in the village, who had a great deal of power, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. And this was, you know, as she's demonstrating her abilities to serve tea, which is a very important custom in Asian cultures. The quote was quiet, composed, graceful, elegant, poised. Polite. These are the qualities we seek in a good wife. I'm kind of glad that I'm not in Asian culture because <laughs> I don't have any of those. So, <laughs> yeah, and I can't, I don't like tea. <laughs> oh, I love tea, but I'm not quite composed, graceful, elegant, poised, or polite. <laughs> I would fail abysmally. I think you could probably qualify for at least half of those. Half of half of them, or <laughs> uh, well, let's let's uh, uh nah, let's, let's not go Where there. I, uh... Let's not go there. Let's not go there. <laughs> all right, all right. In Chinese culture at this time, you know, which was uh, the first 500 years of AD, Chinese girls and Chinese women were never anything but a wife. They did not have occupations until they became wise women. And it was the wise women who were like the matchmakers. But at the same time, Chinese boys didn't have it much better. Chinese boys had two options. They could either be trained to do exactly what their father does, or they could go in the military. Mm-hmm. And the military tell you it was not a good choice guess they didn't have a religious option back then in that culture yeah it's uh, well buddhism wasn't around confucianism actually didn't even come around till late 500s early 600s but i found a quote where it said confucius taught that women's roles were in the home their job was to look after the men and raise the children confucius said that women should not have their own ambitions. A woman's thoughts, suggestions, and opinions were not important. So to be perfectly clear, women did not have a very good situation in ancient China. They don't really have much better today because there's still 
And I like they're Yeah, that that's exactly where I was going. Yeah. <laughs> Things happen. But it hasn't much. gotten that much better. <laughs> the thing is is that this movie made it look even worse than it actually was. Because through the through our exposure to Milan as a child, we saw what was very clear disapproval among the women in the village as Mulan demonstrated capabilities that they thought a girl should not demonstrate. Mm -hmm. Like that scene where she goes running after the chicken. And, you know, it was unusual for women to have women warriors in ancient China, but it wasn't unheard of. Mulan is not the exception to the rule. Yeah. So I, I really feel like they, for, for this movie, and <laughs> I don't want to suggest that I thought, you know, that, that I came into this movie expecting historical accuracy or anything. Yeah. But for the purposes of this movie, they really notched, uh, ratcheted up the, as, the misogynistic aspect of, of the ancient Chinese culture. Well, it's interesting because they made it like eat the discussion between her parents in that earlier part of the movie where, mm. you know, the, the mother says, they'll call her a witch. It's time you talk to her. And so the father goes to Mulan and says, your chi is strong, Mulan, but chi is for warriors, not daughters. It's time for you to hide your gift away and to silence its voice. So as a loving father, he was just trying to protect her from, you know, the disapproval of her culture, which could lead to exile. And, you know, as you were saying earlier, Shang, Shang Yang, the, the witch in the movie, she at one point in the movie tells Mulan that she had been exiled because she had, I guess, probably demonstrated her, her gifts with the chi much as Mulan had and didn't have the, you know, the the father who would look after her and, and shield her. And so she mm -hmm. had had to go go it alone, basically, until she was picked up by somebody who was willing to use her. And really, she her yeah. her position wasn't any better with Bora Khan because he was basically treating her like a slave. And and she comes to that realization only about halfway through the movie that she was not his partner. She was his tool. Yeah. And yeah, it's I would I would even go so far as to say worse than a slave. It, it, he called her a, a something dog, which was I felt a lot more apt a description of how he was using her. Mm -hmm. He was just using her to to attack the strongholds. Like an attack dog, like a, you know, yeah. like a hound dog treeing a coon or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He had um, no respect for her whatsoever. He he was just using her. And and Mulan had that potential of being treated the same way. In fact, as she progresses through the movie, once she comes to terms that she has to be true to herself, she has to accept exile uh, from her regiment. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that was that even as she was being exiled, she she said, I prefer to be executed, please, because mm -hmm. she didn't want to be thrown out of, of that culture because it's so tight and so strong. And, you know, to not have somebody, to not have family and to have dishonored her family and her village yeah, was probably the hardest blow that could come. I mean, especially in Asian culture, that family is everything. Yeah, one of the things that interested me was for Xian Yang was that, uh, I, and I'm drawing on Genghis Khan's army, not the Rohans, which is the, uh, you know, the group that that this movie is based around. But Genghis Khan's army 
and I'm, I might be wrong here, but I could have sworn that men and women were both warriors in, in the army of Khan. So if the Rohans had come from the same culture, the idea that they would have been have the same Chinese, you know, uh, Throw, uh, exiled, not exiled her, but, uh, you know, used her so maliciously just because she was a warrior is completely different from how I think they probably would have been. It's hard to say. I mean, it's it's different from culture to culture yeah. because, I mean, even even in biblical culture and European culture and even African culture, women are treated differently, you know, from tribe to tribe to tribe. So it's all... It's all tradition and culture, and it just depends on on which tradition you come from. I mean, it's like the Amazon culture, the women were the highest and the men were subjugated. So, I mean, it, it comes both ways. But, yeah, I mean, this, this was definitely a portrayal of a tradition of where women had a specific role, and if they couldn't fit that role, then they were exiled mm-hmm. or didn't belong or or called a witch. I thought that was very interesting that her ability with the chi would have made her be called a witch. And I think I remember somewhere somebody was talking about this in reference to some of the biblical characters that when women went outside of their natural roles uh, in some of the uh, biblical cultures, not necessarily Israel, but some of the biblical cultures Mm -hmm. that Israel interacted with, that their only option was to become prostitutes because that was once they had left the traditional role, then all men saw them as being loose women. So if they were like trying to have a business, like they were widowed and the only, they had to have a business, you know, the only people that would interact with them would be people who are seeing them as prostitutes, whether they were actually selling their bodies or not. And, I mean, it's a blessing being a woman today and knowing that we have the freedom to be who we want to be and to pursue whatever career we want to to pursue without being told that we have to to fit a certain stereotype. But Mm -hmm. that's part of Western culture. In fact, that's the part of Western culture that a lot of Eastern culture uses against us. Like if you go into a Muslim culture, they consider the West the great Satan because we allow our women to be outside of the home and to show their bodies. Yeah. Yeah. I've read the memoir of the, I'm trying to remember now what the name of it is. There's a a lady that has, that was a professional, actually she had, had a PhD and she lived in Iran when Iran was revolutionized back into a truly Muslim culture. And she lost basically all her rights. She became the property of her husband and had to cover her body and mm-hmm. all of that. And and she wrote, you know, her story about what it was like to be in Iran during that time. And, you know, how she was meet with women in secret to try and help build their confidences up because they were so heavily oppressed. And I guess for me, that's one of the reasons I don't really understand in our culture today why the leftist feminist Nazi of our culture side with Muslims, because the true Muslim culture really disvalues women and much more than, mm-hmm. than the Christian basis, the foundation that our culture was built on. And, and we're going to get into that as we get into more of the scripture. But before we get into the scripture, I do want to talk 
uh, just a little bit, you know, because as I said in in my initial comments, I really identified with Mulan. And part of that is because when I was a child, I was the tomboy. I was like always doing boyish things. I wanted to play outside. I wanted to play with trucks and horses. I, I didn't Eek, yeah. I didn't want to play with dolls. I had couldn't care less about dolls. I, I was given dolls. I never bought any dolls that I wanted myself. They were always given to me as gifts and they always ended up, you know, sitting in a chair in my room. I never played with them. And <laughs> I, I I would never had a maternal instinct that way. I was just not something I wanted to do. And I remember even as a young girl being constantly told that I wasn't sitting properly, that I wasn't behaving properly, that I needed to be more feminine. And nowadays, I see what's happening to our children in our culture today, where a little girl like me would, who doesn't prefer pink, who doesn't want to play with dolls, who wants to be out playing in the mud, mm-hmm. would be encouraged to think of herself as a boy instead of a girl. And that scares me because we're using, I guess, the inappropriate idea of what of a traditional view of gender to then tell a child that they are the wrong gender mentally and instead of physically. And I grew out of it. I mean, not necessarily the tomboyishness, but I grew out of, you know, behaving like a boy. And I look back on that and it would scare me to think that I, if I had been raised in a different family or in 20 years later, that I would have been encouraged to go on hormone blockers or, you know, start calling myself by a boy name and going into boys' restrooms, which I did appreciate that Mulan was not very happy about being around the men when they were undressed. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm not saying that this is necessarily the the definition of transgender, because I I have to admit, I don't understand the whole concept of thinking you're in the wrong body. But what I am saying is that gender dysphoria can be encouraged and can be coached. And we're seeing it in our culture today, like one girl will come forward as having as being transgender, and then all of her girlfriends will suddenly decide that they're transgender, too. And it's something that is a way of looking at things that is encouraged by environment. And if we're encouraging it via environment, because we have a certain set of gender roles that we are applying to people, and then when they automatically, because it's not in their nature, blow out those particular traditional gender roles, that doesn't necessarily mean they are not that gender. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, we seem to have embraced as a society these concepts of what a girl has to be and what a boy has to be. Mm-hmm. And and there are elements that may go that way. We've tied these gender roles to them, mm-hmm. which just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, People should be what they are. People – I mean, if you have a daughter who's into Tonka and you have a son who's into Barbie – you know what? That's all right. Just let them be what they are and lead them up the way that they should go. But you don't necessarily then take that little boy who's into Barbie and convince him that he needs to go by a girl name and exactly. become a girl. You don't, you don't change James <laughs> to Luna. After uh, we were discussing it uh, the other day, uh, yesterday, I guess it was, and you made this comment about transgenderism. And, and let me be 
straightforward here. After my viewing of this Mulan, I I didn't make any connection to the transgender debate at all, even though, you know, (laughs) clearly she's cross-dressing for half the movie. (laughs) And I probably didn't see it as cross-dressing so much because they were all period costumes and they didn't really mean that much to me. But I can see how not only Disney took the, the original story of Mulan, the girl who pretended to be a man to take her father's place in a conscript army, but also included this this redefinition of the chi. I can see how they have planted the seeds for an argument for gender dysphoria. Mm-hmm. Because you have a female main character who clearly has something that only males should have. Right. So the more I thought about it, the more I could see where you were coming from with that. I don't think, and you've already said this, but I'm just restating it. I don't think Mulan was a transgender character, but I think that Disney specifically wrote the story to – open that door. Yeah. To the point where I I think they intentionally strayed from any legend, from any source material to specifically stick a foot in that door. Even if they weren't actually able to say I think what they would have liked to have said from a historical standpoint, they they knew that if they actually made Mulan into a transgender character that that would have lost most of their audience. So they did it in a very subtle way. And, you know, it's it's funny you should mention that because much of this – I think all of this film actually was filmed in China. Mm-hmm. And filming in China, as as you know, uh, you have to meet some very strict requirements. And the Chinese government gets final say mm-hmm. on all footage shot right. in country. So – And they film uh, – and I think is, they simultaneously released the movie in Mandarin as well. So – Yep, it's a requirement. Mm-hmm. So I suspect that a con- and I'm just I'm just spitballing here, <laughs> but I suspect that a communist government having oversight of this movie prevented it from being more liberal. Yeah, it would make sense. It really would, and that kind of protected this movie from some of the political agenda that a lot of Disney stuff has yeah. these days. So I won't say it often, but thank you, Communist China. (laughs) (sighs) I I want to turn that laugh into a cry, but. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I say it thinking of all those house churches. Mm, Yes. (sighs) There's definitely some ways that we do not like Communist China. But in this instance, I can see how they protected this movie from being a, a much more perverted than it than it is. So that's a plus. I do want to mention, and we'll put these in the show notes. I went and found a a couple lists. Uh, one's a, the 10 great female warriors of ancient world. Another one was a very extensive list of historic women in combat, which I found very interesting. The list just goes on oh, and neat. on and on and on and on. It's just the longest list you think you've ever seen. It goes way back into the BCs <laughs> and, and all the way up into current time. And it's a, a, a really interesting list. One of the, the, one of the women on the women in combat, and this is a historical list, is Joan of Arc, which is a Christian character. She's, she was a real life woman. Never heard of her. <laughs> yeah. Real life woman, <laughs> uh, who led armies 
She was French, I believe. Yep, she was. And uh, she was uh, burned at the stake because of her... For being a witch. Yeah, for being a witch. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one other character, one other, I, I don't want to call them characters because they were real life people, was Deborah, who was a judge yeah. in Old Testament. Uh, she led armies. Uh, she did have a man that she kind of joined, handpicked to lead the armies with her. Yeah. But it, I, that was a very fascinating story because, you know, he wanted her help all the time. And she's like, what, you want want to drag a woman along and have everybody say you you, did, yeah. oh, you didn't win the battle? He, he, made, he made her go with him. Yeah. <laughs> So, and there's other women characters that have done some pretty courageous things in the Old Testament. So, yeah. you know, it's not necessarily, I, I think a lot of people hold it against the Christian faith that we keep our women barefoot and pregnant and, in the, you know, in the kitchen. Mm. And I, I think, oh, it drives I know me crazy. it drives me nuts when I hear that because it's like, uh, I'm a very fundamental Christian woman and I am not barefoot. I've never been pregnant and I have a professional career and I am Christian and I work with men who are Christians. And as long as I don't pursue, you know, an actual being a pastor over a church or trying to take Headship mm-hmm. over men, leadership over men in certain positions, like biblical or family positions, I- I'm fine. I mean, that's not that's yeah. not the role of women in the church, but it's, you know, Christians are not like that. And I don't know why the atheists yeah, continue to push that forward as a stereotype, because it's just not a true stereotype at all. Well, you know, it's I, uh, I've never been pregnant either, but... Uh, but I actually am right this very moment barefoot, and I love to cook. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, I've said on this podcast because you know this is a recurring theme in mm. so many of the movies that we yeah. that we do. I've said on this podcast before. I am a complementarian. I believe that God created men and women to have specific roles, mm-hmm. and those roles are they're not so clearly defined. But God intends for a man and a woman to work as a single unit, right? Even a single organism to fulfill the weaknesses in each other. It's like one per- one strength that fills in the holes of the other's yeah, they, weaknesses. They become one flesh. Yeah. So I went back to Proverbs thirty one ten through thirty one, which is uh, the the section called the the wife uh, in praise of the wife of noble character. And I'm not going to read the whole thing here because, uh, you know, we're already 49 minutes into the recording. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I wanted to really quickly list out the, the characteristics. Mm-hmm. Uh, trustworthy, good-hearted, discerning, industrious, frugal, strong, attentive, generous, planning, honorable, wise, teaching, watchful, faithful, and God-fearing. And you look through these and you know what? If I could get a general who was every single one of these – Darn tootin' I'd follow them into battle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to reiterate uh, from the New Testament, Galatians 3.28, there is no Jew nor Greek, slave or free male and female, since you are all one in Christ Jesus. We are all equal in Absolutely. Christ. So there, there is a certain level of role-playing, you should say, in, in a Christian family, but at the same time in Christ, he doesn't view us as being as like the female being inferior or having a specific lower position than a man. It's just that from from the standpoint of biblical leadership and family leadership, there has to be the head of the family and then there has to be Yeah. 
you know, the, the person that supports the head of the family. And in, in, in biblical sense, that should be the man as the head with the woman supporting, not the woman being inferior, but supporting the man in his leadership. There's this concept that the head of the family is a person who's in charge, but as any married man can tell you, I'm not in charge <laughs> all the time, at least. <laughs> what they say, behind every great man, there is a woman. <laughs> <clears throat> so we've talked about this topic so many times. Yeah, let's go back and listen we to several. Let's move on to our yeah. next theme. <laughs> yeah, let's move on. Well, the the other thing that's pretty massive in this movie is being true to oneself or li not living lies or or living in deceit and that's actually part of the the loyal brave true is what they put on the sword the oath of the soldier and it's the oath yeah yeah and loyal and brave are probably well i wouldn't say easy <laughs> because no. loyal bravery is probably the hardest one to be honest because standing especially a conscripted army and, you know, we dealt with this. I think our last conscripted army here in the U.S. was the Vietnam War. That was the last time we had the draft. And Yep, it is. When you conscript an army, you get everybody of the right age and the right physical abilities. And the only way you can get out of it, and I'm not even entirely sure with the Chinese conscription whether there was any reason that you could get out of it. But to be brave when you're not never had any desire whatsoever to be a soldier and you just got pulled into it against your will and suddenly you have to be a man and yeah. and be a soldier that would be a difficult but true is the issue in this movie because Mulan is having to not be true to herself in order to be a soldier and it is agonizing for her yeah and you know they do hammer at home but this was actually for me this theme was the redeeming factor for this movie mm. i think in balance, if they had had the mysticism and the witch and all that and the, you know, the, the magic and the perversion of the chi type thing without this emphasis on truth in the movie, I think it would have tipped the scales the other way for me. And I would have come out of the movie saying, no, I did not like that one. Mm. But this theme for me made the movie. It, I think it redeemed the movie and it actually it redeemed one of the characters too. <laughs> yeah, the the witch. She has some really interesting interchanges with Mulan when Mulan kind of gets separated from the rest of the army, and she notices that Mulan is not being truthful, and she actually comments that your deceit weakens you; it poisons your chi, and it made her, I guess, less of an equal in a combat because she was protecting her persona as a man. So, yeah, I, I see your point that it was kind of the, the redemption. Yeah. You know, loyal, brave, and true, speaking as somebody who has, you know, served in the armed forces, mm -hmm. loyalty and bravery are significantly easier to do when you are a, a member of an organic team, a unit, a family, when you are all part of one body. It's so much harder to be loyal and brave when there is no one around to support you mm -hmm. in doing that. The same thing is true for true. It is much easier to be truthful when there is somebody next to you who knows the truth. Mm -hmm. Because if you tell a lie, they immediately know you lied because they know the truth. Right. So loyal, brave, and true, they really feed to the idea of being members of a cohesive unit. 
Yeah, that's interesting that, that you say that because there's that scene where she finally gets a bath. And she goes off by herself in the river to get cleaned up because mm-hmm. she's always taking guard duty because she can't shower in common with the boys. And that, yeah. I thought that was very interesting that they did spend time kind of showing how hard it was for her to keep herself hidden. And as a woman, I can guarantee you that walking around all day with your breast bound is extremely painful. I can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Picturing the male version of that just makes me cringe. <laughs> yeah. And, and to have and, – and they kind of show that a little bit like when she first comes in to, to rest and she takes the binding off and you can just see her slowly relaxing and just kind of unbending mm-hmm. and and the, the um, amount of relief that gave her to be able to unbind herself. And that – she finally gets a bath and while she's in the bath this other soldier comes and comes into the water with her and he doesn't obviously know that it's a woman in the water and they're having this conversation mm. and the whole time she's keeping her back to him trying to just disguise the fact that she's a girl taking a bath and the whole yeah. time he's trying to to get her to agree with him that they would be the two leaders of their regiment who will make sure that the rest of the boys are safe. And yeah, she completely misses that entire conversation because she's so completely just concerned about revealing herself <laughs> that she misses the whole context of the conversation. And I thought that was well done because it, it speaks to what you were saying is that, you know, if you're being true, then the loyalty and the bravery, you know, her ability to be a great soldier, to protect her fellow regiment, to create that f- feeling of family and brotherhood. She was missing all of that because she was just so constantly yeah. worried about being exposed or being found out. And so she just completely lost that feeling of camaraderie that she needed with the rest of her regiment. Yeah. Yeah. It it was poisoning her relationship with the other soldier. Mm-hmm. It's, it brought to mind for me Ephesians 4.25, therefore put away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. And that's where where Paul is instructing believers on living together and, mm-hmm. and being the body of Christ. It's every bit as true for military members. You know, you go into the field and you have got to know that the people behind you and the people in front of you, they've got your back. Mm-hmm. You go into combat and you want to know that it, when you say, cover me while I move, they're going to cover you while you move. Yeah. Because if they don't, you're going to get shot. Another scripture that that this one brought to my mind specifically was First John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that was... I don't think it's out of place to call it a redemptive arc for Mulan. Mm -hmm. Because she had to come back and confess. Yeah. That whole scene where the witch killed Wajun and Hua Mulan lived. She could have not gone back because she was by herself. Nobody saw what happened to her. But in, in coming back and realizing that she was who she was, she still went back to her regiment and did what she could to save the army because they were under tremendous uh, siege at the time if she hadn't come back they would have mm-hmm. all died and ah it, it just occurred to me the the one thing that was scene for scene in this movie compared to the animation movie was the avalanche mm. sorry <laughs> it, that one that one just jumped out at me because that's the scene you know she's she's walking out of the snow induced mist mm-hmm. with her hair out and you know all the femininess of her no longer concealed yeah. 
Yeah. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Tangent man. <laughs> well, the verse that I added into this section was a verse we actually just dealt with when we did our theology throwdown with the Christian Community podcast. Uh, this mm-hmm. was one of the verses that's most taken out of context in the New Testament. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, if you continue in my word, you really are my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And that's John eight thirty one through 21. And the reason why I thought about this is that all of us know how hard it is to be truthful all the time. I mean, to, to, do, to actually do an oath of tr- to be true, to never lie is difficult because there's oftentimes in our culture and in our society and just in our daily lives where you want to tell the easy lie instead of the truth, which will get you in trouble. And it reminded me that we can't do it on our own. Our ability as humans to live a sinless life is impossible. Yeah. (laughs) But we have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus. If we follow his word, then we have his truth in our lives. And even if we fail at always being truthful, we have that redemption that makes up for it, Mm -hmm. which is an amazing release. (laughs) That's what it is. It's the truth that sets us free. That that is the truth, the truth of the gospel. Yeah. Well, we got to move along because there's at least one more thing we want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> We're gonna breeze through this. You have to come onto our Facebook group and chat on some of these in more depth. But one of the final things we want to talk about, and this was really intriguing to me, was there was a quote in here where the commander of their regiment was defining what chi was. He was telling them the chi pervades the universe and all living things. We are all born with it. Only the most true can connect (laughs) deeply to his chi and become a great warrior. And the first thing that popped into my head is this sounds like Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I sense this chi strong in this one, (laughs) though there is much fear. (laughs) So, and you'd already said that the way they use chi in here is not accurate to the actual culture, but... Yeah. Yeah. Actually, you know, the, the quote that you just read off, and that was a pretty good uh, Chinese general voice, by the way. <laughs> the quote that you just read off isn't that far from the truth, from, you know, from how particularly how Qi was viewed back then. Which might just be a, a question of the fact that ancient Asian culture was the source material for Star Wars. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> and I mentioned that I took several years of actually karate many years ago, but uh, in our theology throwdown that we did on the Christian cliches, we were introduced to Aaron Brewster, the co-host, because he does it with his wife, I believe, Truth Love Parent on uh, Christian Podcasting Network. And he has far, 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 far more experience in martial arts than I do. I want to say he has three black belts in three different forms. I think he said five black belts, actually. Was it five? Wow. Even more than I thought. And other belts in other forms. So he has been studying martial arts his entire life. So actually, I reached out to him on Facebook yesterday, and I I asked him if he had seen this version of Mulan, Mm -hmm. uh, and we briefly talked about it. And I said, okay, so in one or two sentences, can you define your understanding as a martial artist of chi for me? And he said, all right, I will, but first I want to clarify this. There is no difference between martial arts chi and normal chi. They are literally the same thing. Chi is chi is chi is chi. 
Qi was the ancient understanding of life force. There's also no difference between martial arts application of wushu, which is a person's kung fu, and the daily application of it. So, you know, a, a kung fu master doesn't just do kung fu when they fight. Their kung fu is how they live. Okay. So it's, you know, it's a philosophy. So then he went on to define qi. Qi is the Chinese understanding of the electrical energy that runs through the human body. Martial artists and others attempt to focus that energy to enhance their focus, health, skill, and abilities. And I remember when I was learning my very first form, it it was a standard forward punch. And that was our first introduction to qi because we were trying to focus that idea of qi on the very end of our fist Mm -hmm. to deliver as much focus and force to that part of our body that we could. And that's the part where, you know, it flows through and, and you can break boards. And that's why, you know, when you see somebody think, Oh, I can break a board and and then they just punch it. They hurt the hand yeah, (laughs) because, because they're not actually focusing themselves and following through and they're not using their entire mass. You know, it's that focus, that skill that makes it so much easier. So I was sort of relieved he had the same general opinion that I did that they had taken it. At the same time, they sort of, to make the point that they wanted to make, it served their purpose Mm -hmm. to do it the way they did. I still don't think it was a good excuse to do it the way they did, but it did serve their purpose. Yeah, and I'll get off my soapbox now. Well, to put it into perspective, they didn't make Mulan any more than just a really good martial artist with her chi. It was the witch character where they made it look like it was much more than that. And I'm not entirely sure that all of hers was chi, that she wasn't actually a witch. You know what I'm saying? Where she was using magical arts. I don't know that they were in any way saying that what that the calling of Mulan a witch was the same thing as being an actual witch. Oh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. I, I guess I just assumed that her – I thought there was a line. I might be wrong. I thought there was a line that suggested that – Xuan Yang? Xuan Yang? Yang. Xuan Yang, that her abilities were from the Chi. And we apologize to all, all Mandarin speakers out there. Oh, we are no slaughtering kidding. the names. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, please forgive us. (laughs) Yeah, I can definitely see what you're saying there. You know, I gave thought to this back when I was first learning about chi and focus and and martial arts because, you know, our faith to us as Christians is important. And when I had my first meeting with Stephen Bordway, the guy who became my sensei, I said, look, I feel very strongly about this. I don't want Eastern mysticism. I don't want to betray my faith by being encouraged to embrace mysticism. And he was like, no, no, that is definitely not what we do. And he was absolutely true to his word. He was good. He was an excellent teacher. But it reminded me as I was learning that how, you know, the word of God is written on all our hearts. And every time we get up in the morning and we look out the window at a beautiful sky or a, a strong tree, we see God's creation and acknowledge it even if we don't believe in God. People, humanity cannot escape creation. Mm-hmm. 
And it brought to mind for me Romans one twenty how even in ancient Chinese culture where they had never heard of Jesus, because this is long before Marco Polo. This is well, it's not before the Silk Road, but it, you know the Silk Road is just getting started. They had an idea of a force of creation, and they called it Chi. But in Romans one twenty. For his invisible attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen since the creation of the world, being understood through what he has made as a result. People are without excuse, and and that's manifested through this idea of chi. Mm -hmm. And we see it in cultures the world over, where people want to explain what they see, and they don't have the language to do it, which is the language of the gospel. But we have to be careful also as a culture to not, well, as a Christian culture, to not try and read into something that is being biblical that it isn't. Because that's one of the issues that we've had, like with the Star Wars, is people going through uh, and turning, yeah, the, point. turning the force into the Holy Spirit or something like that. It's like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've got to understand. Church of the Jedi. <laughs> yeah, the Church of the Jedi. You have to put things in their context. And she is part of a very Eastern mystical a mm -hmm. uh, philosophy that is not Christian. Nope, it is not. We are saying that God is in everything, because, but he is not just a natural force. He is right, the foundation right. of nature. He created nature, but he himself is not a natural force. And so this idea that chi pervades the universe and all living things, that we're not saying that chi is God. Mm -mm. We're just saying that... She no, no, exists, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that connection in the universe and between all living things exists because there is a God who created it all. That was ancient Chinese way of trying to explain what they were seeing, but they couldn't do it. They, right. they, they could not properly understand. And frankly, as Christians, as believers, these are great stepping off points for explaining the gospel to people who come from these traditions. Wiccans uh, are the same way where they believe in a force of creation and of mother nature and all that, mm -hmm. which is all just, you know, a poor reflection of what they don't want to see, which is an almighty creator who is holy. Who they must answer to at some point in judgment. Yeah, exactly. We are going to stand, stand in front of him and if we don't have an advocate then it ain't looking good. Yeah. Well, before we wrap up, and this kind of slides into this too, I did want to mention one of the strongest things that I saw in the movie, and it's kind of a side thing, is this concept of dishonor to you, your family, your village. That was the mm. penalty if you were not true, was if you were not true, if you were dishonest, you were exiled, and you brought dishonor to yourself, to your regiment, to your family, to your village. And in Asian cultures especially, and this actually applies to Middle Eastern cultures because in in the context of the, the Asian continent, the Middle East is part of Asia. So yeah. there is a lot of this cultural stuff that kind of filters into Arabic families, Israeli families, and uh, Indian families, and even some of like the the peninsula in that area, that whole, those, all those cultures, they really kind of have very similar ways of, of dealing with, you know, the familial structure and a lot of these gender roles and that kind of thing. So when you look at scripture, when Jesus was a very radical figure, because when he came through, he actually took people away from their families, from their 
professions, you know, fishermen who became fishermen because their dad was fisherman. And, you know, the tax collector who nobody liked because he had portrayed his people. And he was a very radical figure. He was teaching people to leave the, the tradition and follow him instead. And that is a tough thing to do, even in all our culture, where we're not as traditional, where we don't have these, you know, locked in traditional mores that we must abide by. It's still hard, you know, especially when you become a Christian and your whole family are atheists and they think you're the most ridiculous person in the world yeah. for doing it. <laughs> in Luke ten twenty eight to 30, it says, Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. And that is actually the truth, because Peter had left fishing to come to follow Christ. And truly, I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. So this is our promise as Christians. If we do things that destroy our relationships that cause us to be exiled from proper society because we hold to a different way of viewing the world, that Christ promises us that that dishonor that we heap upon ourselves by following the faith, that we will be rewarded for it in the future. And that is a a tremendous blessing. And I just want to say, I I know we're going long on this, but if any of you have not heard of The Chosen, I just recently like... Uh, no, it's not a movie. It's it's a, a TV series. series. Right? It's a uh, new series that was created for VidAngel, and but it's now you can actually watch it. They have a an app that you can put on your phone and watch. And they're just finished funding their second season, and they're in the midst of producing their second season. I binged it uh, like in the last week and a half. I binged Jesus. <laughs> That's one of their slogans. <laughs> Binge Jesus. If you haven't watched The Chosen, I strongly recommend it. It's something worth watching. Go look look them up on YouTube. They have they live streamed during COVID their entire eight episode series, uh, so you can watch it on YouTube without having to pay anything. And it's a fictional life of Christ story where it touches scripture. It's accurate. It's just they fleshed out the characters. They gave them background that made sense of their actions. And they gave Jesus a sense of humor, and they made him good with kids. And it's an amazing way of viewing it. And I bring that up because as you know, this scripture from Luke says, you know, that Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. And the chosen, he actually has a wife, and that he left to follow Jesus. He had racked up this massive debt in Texas to the Romans and the fish catch, you know, over the side of where Jesus miraculously overburdened their Mm -hmm. boat with fish. That was actually paid off his taxes because he was so in debt that he was about to be arrested and probably executed because of his debt and lose everything. And so instead of losing everything to Rome, he decided to give it all up for Jesus. And that was just an impactful scene to me. And I think that it's really worth watching The Chosen because it you have to remember it is somebody's depiction of Christ. It's not by biblical accuracy. And, it, and even when you watch the director talk about it, he says, this is not supposed to replace your Bible. <laughs> but it's really very well done, and I highly recommend it. So if you haven't watched it yet, you have to go check out The Chosen. And with that, we are going to call an end to this discussion on Mulan. And 
If you want to support our podcast, again, we are on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash are you just watching? And we want to thank our current supporters, Craig Hardy, Stephen Brown II, David Lefton, and Peter Chapman for their generous support. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I really wish we had more than four. So if you would kindly consider going and giving us just a small amount on a monthly basis to support our podcast, we'd really appreciate it. If you want to continue this discussion, we ask you again to come to our Facebook group, which you can get to quite easily by going to areyoujustwatching.com slash community, or just looking for Are You Just Watching on Facebook. You can call us at 513-818-2959, or you can comment on the show notes for this particular episode, which will be at areyoujustwatching.com slash 111. Subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get our podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at E. Franklin. I don't tweet much, but you're welcome to follow me on Twitter <laughs> at Rencheple, R-E-N-C-H-E-P-L-E. And if there are any other social media platforms you would like us to be on, please let us know. I have been investigating MeWe, and I might look into Rumble. There are several new ones that are popping up, but I want to go where our listeners are. So if Makes sense. you all are s- still on Facebook, then we'll stay on Facebook. But if you're leaving and going somewhere else, please let us know where you're going so we can have a presence there as well. We highly appreciate it. I believe that's it. I have a feeling we may be doing another superhero for January, but what do we will, have coming my, out? The new Wonder Woman movie is coming out Christmas oh, Day, 1994. You know, I was yeah. actually going to suggest a movie called News of the World with Tom Hanks in it, hmm. but I had huh? completely forgotten about Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> Boy, it's going to be a tough choice for me. <laughs> We'll just have to see. If you want to have some say in what we do in January, make sure you join our community and let us know what's going on and email us or call us or any of those things. So did I tell you how to email us? Email at feedback at areyoujustwatching.com. You can text our number. You can leave a voicemail or you can text it one or the other. So appreciate all of the support of our listeners. You guys keep us going. We wouldn't be what we are if it weren't for you out there listening to us. So thank you very much. We love the participation. Jump into Facebook and participate. All right. I think that's it. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Eve Franklin. I'm Tim Martin. And don't just watch. Are You Just Watching as a member of the Christian podcast community. Find more interesting podcasts on theology and Christian living at podcast.strivingforeternity.org.